From west to east and kingdom to kingdom, you're listening to the Diz Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. with Walt is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts at helping you plan the perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello and welcome to episode 95 of the Diz Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. I am your host and Diz historian Michael Bowling and I am joined by my co-host, producer and good friend Craig Williams. Craig, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you, Michael? I'm doing well, thank you. So you are back in your kingdom after spending a week out in mine. So how did you enjoy Disneyland? I had a great time as always. So right now it was the uh, the get your ears on celebration out there. So got to see Mickey's that- Mixed Magic a couple times. Oh, I thought you got your Briar Rose um, mini ears. I did not. So I uh, saw them on... Because they would have complimented your red hair, I thought, oh, very nicely. They probably. Uh, I, I actually bought them. Or I did. Oh, gosh. I did not buy them. <laughs> Don't tell anyone I bought them. I didn't. Uh, I did see them on You're my You're wearing them right day. now, aren't you? Uh, what's that? <laughs> You're wearing them right now, aren't you? No, I, I can promise you I am not. But I, I did see them on the very last day that I was there, and... Uh, I just, I kind of like looked at it and I was like, I don't know what's different about this than other rose gold stuff and such. They look so, the same to me. I mean, yeah. the color looked the same. I mean, I, I, I heard people say, oh, there's a little more lavender in it or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's where my eyes don't work. That's why I'm a videographer and not a... Uh, not a design specialist, but uh, no, no, no. It was a it was a good time. So just like I said, didn't uh, food and wines going on right now, but didn't really do that. Focused more on on stuff that is there year round. But I I loved everything going on with uh, the get your ears on celebration with Mix Magic. That is a great fireworks show. Despite what anyone says, I I loved it, and but we also had fireworks going on right now uh, because of spring break. So mm-hmm. I can imagine why some people might be disappointed if it's just the projections on a on a normal slow night. But but yeah, I I liked it, and then we went over to to Knott's Berry Farm for a day with uh, with our friend of friend of all the shows on the Diz Unplugged, Sam Carter. And oh, yeah. Uh, okay. That was that was a lot of fun. So got to... Oh, did you go to Boysenberry Days? You bet we did. Oh, I have always wanted to do that. That's right. I remember you said you were going to do that. It was incredible, to say the least. So mm-hmm. I, I know you know you can have whatever opinions you want on, on Knott's Berry Farm. Uh, definitely the, the ghost town is spectacular. I mean, that's my favorite section. Yeah. It always was. It, I mean, it, it's uh, if we really want to go straight forward with it, it's it's kind of the only section. Like, I love the theming of Camp Snoopy because mm-hmm. I'm I'm a huge Peanuts fan, and it's done so well in trying to capture the the Northwest in a way, and and then 
you know, I, Fiesta Village has its its ups and downs on it with the kind of going back to the old Southern California Mexican heritage style. But like the beach section with all the coasters and everything is just just like the worst. Um, yeah. Of course, I'm I'm old enough to remember when the ghost town was all there was. And you know what? And, and, and Independence Hall. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't be upset if one day they just decide to make it all ghost town. And as long as they left Camp Snoopy, that is, mm-hmm. um, that has to stay. But I, ghost town is just—it's it, so remarkable. I mean, it makes sense entirely how how a lot of Imagineers and stuff did get inspiration to to bring mm-hmm. to life what they did. And you know, we all know the. The story of Splash Mountain getting its its roots out of the timber mountain log ride and such, but mm-hmm. and the work that Garner Holt did on reviving that in the Calico Mine Train was just just spot on. So so much fun and so well done. And Boysenberry Festival was awesome. All the foods made with boysenberry, um, just remarkably delicious. At uh, yeah. I honestly felt like the festival food there was as good if not better than some of the disney festivals it was that that i've got to go down for that next year i would highly 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 recommend it i hope that we do another trip at some point in time that overlaps boysenberry fest so it it was great and I, i hope i get to go back to knots a little bit more often it's it when you get on Disneyland property, you know it's a. I I like leaving property because I love California as a whole, not just Disneyland, but but everything around California. So I I love staying on property. But when we're out there for work, it is so hard to to leave that area because we're so encapsulated in it. So to go out to Knotts for a day was just is so much fun i hope i hope that can become a more regular routine yeah that'd be great and so then of course you've picked up your steamboat willie lego set right i that was another problem we flew back on (laughs) march 1st the day of the release and i was instead of waiting at downtown disney to try to get the set and bring it home i was at that ridiculous hundred hundred twenty five hundred fifty dollar per person uh, Princess Breakfast, um, the morning that that released, the one that's happening in Napa Rose, and oh, yeah. because of that, I couldn't go out and get my Lego set, and then uh, peek behind the court curtain. It's Tuesday right now, and the day we normally record, and the day I record all the other shows, so mm-hmm. haven't had time to go to get the Lego set, so Kylie and I are heading out to to Disney Springs tomorrow night to see Dumbo, and hope the the box signing for the Legos is happening tomorrow. So hopefully they held, if they did sell out, which I don't know if they did or not, but if they did, hopefully they held some aside for that, and I'll be able to have my set yeah. tomorrow. As of this recording, because I, you know, we we have mutual friends who are cast members there, like um, Brandon, mm-hmm. and um, they're, they're still there. Okay, good. So, yeah, I he mean, sent me photos. It's I understand why it's a very expensive set for the size. It is, yeah, it is. I guess because because of all the gears and all that. So yeah, I it's I, it's beautiful from the pictures mm-hmm. and the the video they put out there. 
but it is very expensive. Like I think I talked about a long time ago, my Saturn V rocket that I built that's over three feet tall. And that thing is so intricate. And I want to say that only cost $120. So for $30 mm. less, you're not getting that much out of uh, Steamboat Willie. But as as a Steamboat Willie fan and a Disney fanatic, I feel like I have to have it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, so you've not seen Dembo. I did see it. I saw it last week, so I will hold off. Yes, I. Um, I mean, I've uh, I've heard reviews from friends, and I've I've read some of the reviews that are out there from the typical sites that I read. But uh, you know, I've talked about it on the show before. Dumbo is is my favorite character, not my favorite movie, but my favorite character. And because of that, uh, it's, it's something that's also special with Kylie and I. So I said that I would hold off until we got home and okay. not see it while I was out there. So I well, we, we can definitely talk about it next week. Yeah, definitely. Let's do yeah. that. And and I told you I saw Shazam, right? No, you did. Oh, I saw Shazam that, you know, Fandango was doing a preview. Oh, awesome. Of it. So I went and saw that. And have you seen it? No, I since I've been gone oh. the entire time, I have not caught any movies. Oh. I, I Right before I left, the only movie that I really wanted to see is Us, and I had tickets for that like the night before I was flying out, and Kylie begged me to just stay at home, so she doesn't <laughs> do scary movies, so it was... Uh. It was one I would have had to go to alone. So uh, no, I'm I'm very behind on movies. I have like oh. three I need to see. I so much enjoyed Shazam. Good, really well done. The, uh, there were some parts I was just laughing out loud, and that I needed to laugh out loud yeah. when I saw that. And uh, but it is a great family film. You know, awesome to uh, you know, a great family superhero film. It is not as dark as some of the last, um, you know, Marvel films have been. And I just enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to the next one. I hope there's another Shazam one. I don't know if this has been well, it's only officially opening. It just this week, uh, did did it just open? It opened this past weekend, so it's just on its first weekend. Okay, I don't know how it's doing. But I hope it does well, because I would love to see more of this. Um, this one, all the actors were good. Uh, the the young actors were fine. I wasn't familiar with their work, but I guess they've been in other things. There was, um, it helped me to, because uh, something popped up on my YouTube you know, account about watch this before you see the movie Shazam. And it was a really good explanation of the whole backstory from the comic books. As to oh. what Shazam was, and they were very faithful to that. So I was actually um, wrong. I enjoyed it. It doesn't come out until the day that this show releases on Friday. Okay, that's so what I thought. I could that's have swore that it was out out today. Yeah. So, but anyway, so I I recommend it. I really enjoyed it a lot. So I hope I, other folks do too. Oh yeah, no, I'm 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 excited for it. I think it's going to be a fun one. So I, mm-hmm. I mean, Zachary Levi is obviously he's he's Flynn Rider. So mm-hmm. um, that nice connection. He's 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 pretty good. I like. Um, I, I know he's. I believe he might be the might be the villain in it. I'm not quite sure, but Mark Strong 
uh, the bald yes. British actor. Mm-hmm. Um, he's in the Kingsman movies, which if you haven't watched those, Michael, I highly recommend them. Uh, oh, okay, I've not. They are fun. They are very violent. They're uh, slightly dirty at times, but it is it, it's a really fun kind of like new take on spying and James Bond. And I'm not familiar with the the graphic novels it was based on, so I'm sure it's one of those things where there's someone out there screaming. I knew it before it was a movie, but that's okay. <laughs> I I don't have time for all of that all the time. Yeah, but so. uh, yeah, no, Great. big big cast. I'm I'm excited well, to see it. I'm glad you liked it. You'll like it. I, I really think you will. Yeah. So. Uh, a couple of things coming up that we mentioned. First of all, the Waltland Bus Tour with Bob Gertz. It's connecting with Walt Day on May 19th. So we hope you are going to sign up. And of course, we get a discount. So when you're signing up at waltland.com, and, and, and Craig, we'll have a link in our show notes to that, um, in the discount code section, write in or enter in unplugged all lowercase and you'll get a discount and this discount also applies to a swinging wake celebrating 50 years of the Haunted Mansion on Saturday September 28th featured will be Bob Gurren I think I said I'm Blaine Gibson a couple weeks ago which he may be there for all you know after all it is the Haunted Mansion but it's actually Garner Holt Blaine be there. Yeah, you did say good. Blaine Gibson, and I got I confused. But I <laughs> you was like, corrected me. Okay, well, no, it's like a, it's the cheese. The cheese just always confused me. I just <laughs> Gibson, I Garner. I was taken aback. I was like, holy crap! I mean, that's talk about Disney history right there. The master sculptor, and then the who's, master who's been dead for a creator. few years. Yeah, so. <laughs> but that's why I said, you know, it's a swinging way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, but um, yeah, so and definitely where you're connecting with Walt or Dish shirts on May 19th, then we're going to have a great time. I mean, when, how often do you hear an Imagineer talking about personal stories and experiences with, mm-hmm. you know, with um, Walt as he takes you to all the important places in Walt's life? Yeah. And so that would be a lot of fun. And we have a very special episode coming up where Bob is going to be on our show where he's going to answer your questions. Yes, you can submit your questions um, for Bob. And Bob said he's done more than just Disney. It can be about his work with Walt and Imagineering, but he had a whole career after Disney. It can be on his hobbies or anything else. Probably everybody listening to the show knows what he did with the Disney parks, but when he, well, they say he retired from Disney in 81. Bob says he was fired. And I I was there when he and Marty Sklar sort of had the um, conversation about that at the Walt Disney Family Museum a few years back. But he created um, the animated... He he opened his own firm after, in 1981, GER Designs Incorporated. He created, like, the animated light spiders and other effects for the Jackson's Victory Tour. In 84, if you ever see... And this is online. If you ever see the... um, the, the opening ceremony for uh, the 1984 Summer Olympics, Bob created the UFO spe- spectacle that, you know, landed at at that. Yeah, and yeah. we talked to, talked with him about that when he was on the show. In 84, he um, helped 
co-found Sequoia Creative. And there, he did, Craig, you'll like this. He made, for Universal Studios Hollywood, he created the 30-foot-tall King Kong Encounter animatronic and the animatronic serpent at the Adventures of Conan, a sword and sorcery spectacular. So you can ask him questions about that. Um, he also then, uh, Steve Wynn of, of, of the Treasure Island Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas, he asked... Uh, Bob to create they, this uh, a pirate ship show, pirate fight show, where the ship would sink and then rise and sink again multiple times a, a night for the show. Bob figured out how to do that. He consulted for the T-Rex animatronic in Jurassic Park hmm. of the film and for the animatronic used in 1998's Godzilla. So there's like all kinds of stuff you can ask Bob. So, um, so Craig, how can our listeners submit questions um, for Bob Gurr? Very similar to how you submitted questions for for this episode. Uh, we will have a post on Facebook that will be uh, visible for you, and it will be released alongside this episode, most likely uh, actually earlier than this episode. So you might have already asked your question. Uh, hopefully you stated it eloquently. If not, there's time to go back and edit it. Uh, or re-ask another question, but you will get one demerit for every time you edit or try to erase a question, and we will be watching. So <laughs> keep that in mind. And yeah, besides that, we will we'll, we'll you know we will have it on there for a couple weeks, uh, depending on when we're actually going to to record with um, with with Bob. It'll be somewhere between two or three weeks active on there. So plenty of time to get your questions in. And it's really just as simple as, as putting them down there. So, uh, I, you know, I would recommend definitely keeping them Bob centric and not asking this, the number one questions that we despise the, what would Walt do or what would Walt think? Uh, you're getting a chance to ask Bob Gurr a question. He had to make it count. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, but it's going to be fun. So oh, and and Bob's not screening these because he said anybody that wants their questions in advance, they don't know their stuff. Yep. So we're just going to hit him with the questions as we record. So this should make for a really interesting episode. Oh yeah. <laughs> so so yeah so it's exciting and of course this is all in anticipation for um the you know our our um, Waltland tour with Bob and connecting with Walt on May 19th. So, oh, and Craig, I was at the Walt Disney Family Museum this Saturday past, and Leslie Iwerks was talking about her grandfather, um, you know, of Iwerks. And there'll be more to come on that in a future episode. Hopefully I'm working on something for that. But she, uh, she said, don't share this with anybody, but I'm just going to share it with with you and if, and our close personal friends listening to this episode. She talked about a project she is working on right now, and it is for Disney Plus, and it is a six part series on Imagineering, the history of Imagineering. Oh my gosh! Doesn't that sound amazing? What? Yep. Oh, that. Yeah. yeah, and and you know Leslie Iwerks did. She's a, she's a, a documentary filmmaker. Uh, the things that Disney fans would know her for. She did the Hand Behind the Mouse, which was about her grandfather of Iwerks, uh, and that was her first. That's 1999. She had just graduated from film school. Yeah, 
And then she did the Pixar story. Yeah, that's a, that's well. a good one too. And so. then she's done others too, so um, non Disney oh. ones. Yeah, but no. yeah, but isn't that amazing? I mean, so Disney Plus is going to be cool because they're doing, you know, they're already doing a series we've heard on the you know the Ink and Paint Girls, yeah, based on Mindy Johnson's book, and uh, so they're going to have some good stuff. Yeah, besides the whole Disney Vault. Yeah, and I and I did hear the rumor about. Um, about an imaginary one, so I consider that confirmed now, and that has me so excited. I am really looking forward to it. Yeah. So anyway, all right. Well, so anyway, so there's there's your little there's your little plus there. Yeah. Uh, plus plus. <clears throat> hmm. So, well, as Craig mentioned earlier, this is the Q and A. First Q&A episode here. Um, uh, it's usually a two-parter. So each quarter, we invite members of our Connecting with Walt family to become a part of the show by submitting questions for me and Craig to answer. And questions are generally about Disney theme parks and resorts, Walt Disney's family, the Walt Disney Company, Imagineering, Disney films, and more. So this week, we are going to answer questions about theme parks and resorts because we usually receive more questions in this category than any other. And then we'll answer all the other ones in our next episode. So we, we probably won't get to all of them that you submitted. And some are, are we've answered them in the past. So we might mention that. But um, so, Craig, do you want to you select the first question? I can, if you would like me to. Put me yeah, on the sure. spot like that. Oh, my gosh. Well, there's okay. so many good ones here. I, there are a lot of good ones in here. So, um, I'm going to pick... This one is a fun one to start off with. Uh, this one comes from Gregory. It says, excluding Tomorrowland and Disney's Magical Kingdom. I'm not sure if he means Disneyland or uh, Magic Kingdom on that. Probably Magic Kingdom, but once I, I finish a, the rest of the question, I, you'll understand. If you had to shut yeah. down one of the lands today, never to set foot in it again, which would it be? That's the only mm-hmm. reason why I lean towards it being about Disneyland, because, I mean, as much as I dislike aspects of our Tomorrowland and Walt Disney World, Disneyland has a lot of problems. So, <laughs> oh, I, I much prefer the Tomorrowland at Magic Kingdom than Disneyland's. That, as folks who've listened to the show know, I think pretty much needs to be bulldozed. Yeah. Um. But, uh, well, I, I think I have a que- I have an answer for both. Okay. Go. And um, I think for Di- and I was thinking, okay, these are the lands I go to the least, and uh, so for me, Disneyland it's Critter Country. Although I love the theming. And the trees, and I like the carvings and the benches and all that. I'm not a big fan of Winnie the Pooh, mm-hmm. although I like mm-hmm. Splash Mountain. I don't like getting wet. Uh, but that's the land I go into the least, other than Tomorrowland. So, um, so I guess that's the one I would choose there. Um, Magic Kingdom, I rarely go into well, whatever it's called. Is it Dumbo Circus? Well, it's Storybook Circus, but technically that is part of New Fantasyland, and New Fantasyland Mm. is technically a part of Fantasyland, so it's not really its own separate section. Uh, Well, that's 
that's the only little section of fantasy land I can do because I considered them all sort of separate because they all opened separately. But um, so maybe I didn't quite answer that question. Yeah. Well, but um, well, but it would be it would be that that section anyway. Well, what about can, you, Craig? I can play off that a little bit. Um, okay. With with Disneyland, I would completely agree. Critter Country. It's mm-hmm. nothing against nothing against um, uh, Splash Mountain or Winnie the Pooh, but I I don't do Splash Mountain every single trip I'm out there. Usually it's like once every three trips because I cannot take the risk of being drenched within an inch of my life, so I don't do that. And Winnie the Pooh, it's like this pastime. I was out there for six days and I couldn't manage to get on that five-minute ride that never has more than a 15-minute wait once in that entire time. So, uh, yeah, it's just, it doesn't mean that much for me. Hungry Bear, I eat out every now and then. I usually use the bathrooms there more than I eat there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I still do enjoy aspects of it. But really, I mean, the the thing I do the most is I, I walk into Critter Country, essentially, to get to to where you board the the canoes, to go around the rivers of America, so um, I I would lose Critter Country, but I, I would also say that uh, as much as I love aspects of Toontown, I would say it's uh, it's that's very close, with the exception of uh, heard a fun story that leads me to believe that the rumors that people have heard or not just heard, but shared in the past uh, around other websites and such about Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway coming mm-hmm. to to uh, to Toontown is actually the very truth. And I will oh, tell nice. you off mic why why that is, but not on mic to, to protect sources, but apparently that is actually coming. So that's going to bolster that section of the park for sure. So... Critter Country, Disneyland, and Walt Disney World. I'm going to be similar to you. You said Storybook Circus. For me, I I would lose New Fantasyland with Mine Train and um, Bell's Tales and Be Our Guest and Under the Sea, um, mm-hmm. Little Mermaid. I. It's not that I don't enjoy it. But I don't have that nostalgia for it. About the only nostalgia that I have for it is the fact that that was the that was essentially my first big job interview with the Diz was going to that grand opening media event. But oh, beyond that, okay. I don't. It's not a place I really spend time on. And yeah, I don't go in there, there that often yeah. either. So okay, all right. Okay, my turn. Well, Justin, this is a similar one. Okay, that's whole lands. Here, it's it's. Um, what two attractions would you get rid of in each park? Oh, okay. and, I, and I, I, I have ideas for every single one. <laughs> okay, I will. Are we going to do just Disneyland and Walt Disney World? Uh, um, oh yeah, I yeah I haven't been to all the international parks okay. yet. Okay, so keeping on those. Um, Hollywood Studios, without a doubt, I would get rid of Beauty and the Beast live on stage. 
And oh, I didn't even know that was still there. <laughs> yes, yes, it needs to go. I would get rid of that, and then technically it's dormant, but they could still fire it up with whenever they so choose to. But the Path of the Jedi video um, that they have just sitting there in the old Sounds Dangerous theater. Um, so that's what I would go with for those. Um, okay. Just my opinion on that. Animal Kingdom, I would get rid of Cali River Rapids. Not a fun ride and way oh. too much space being taken up from it. And then, of course, uh, uh, Primeval Whirl. And mm-hmm. um, I'd, Epcot, I would get rid of. I would get rid of the Disney Pixar Film Fest, as well as, um, as well as. If I had to go one more from there, I like. I mean, I respect most of the. I'll just say go with the imagination rehaul completely and get rid of Journey into Your Imagination with Figment. I love Figment as a character, but. It's it's weak. Oh, no, no, no. I'm changing my mind on that. Mission Space. Mission Space. Oh, okay. And then Pixar Disney Film Fest. That needs to be gone. Magic Kingdom. I would say Monsters Inc. Laugh Floor. Because Timekeeper was better. Mm-hmm. And, um, and Magic Carpets of Aladdin because of the cluster that causes at our park and Disneyland. Oh man, that's a tough one. Disneyland's pretty close to perfect. And the sound of crickets is going off, (laughs) but yeah, I can't. Oh, I mean, uh, Astro Orbiter gone. Mm -hmm. I get that out of there. And, then mm, that's that's about it. That's the only one that I really, truly can't stand unless I'm not thinking uh, correctly on that. And California Adventure, uh, Goofy's Sky School has to go at some point. And, and then I'd get rid of uh, Mermaid. Just because I don't, I like that ride. I feel bad that I've kind of ripped on it twice this episode, but I hate how it's just this singular thing plopped in there and doesn't Mm -hmm. really flow beyond it. So it's more for cosmetic choices, not because I dislike the attraction. Okay. All right. For me, Disneyland, well, in, in all of my campaign to knock down most of Tomorrowland, I would get rid of Star Wars Launch Bay and, um, or whatever is in there yeah, now, I, Marvel meet and greet, whatever it is. So that's my second uh, too. I'll go with yeah. that. And then Pixie Hollow, just because you know it's cute, it's fine, but would anyone really miss it? I and just to butt in there though, I finally got to. I didn't know about this, but the little Tinkerbell nighttime fountain show there uh, isn't I that pretty. Got to see it for the first time, I loved it. I never knew that yeah. happened at night. I like that. I like that part. I was thinking more of the meet and greet, but yeah, I don't like that part. Um, Disney California Adventure, two off-the-shelf rides can go. Um, Jumping Jellyfish and Golden Zephyr. You know, I, I like find taking those pictures of Golden all. Zephyr. So. Mm, that's good. <laughs> so, but uh, now, And my hope is by getting rid of these, that it, in everything I list, they will 
replace them with something better. Magic Kingdom, I'm with you on Magic Carpets of Aladdin. They have a, they have other spinny rides in that park. So, um, th- th- and that just doesn't even fit. You suddenly yeah. have, yeah. you know, Arabia or whatever plopped in there. That doesn't make any sense. And then, of course, this will come as no surprise to anybody. The Muppets present great moments in American history. Because that's listed under attractions. So um, I won't dignify you with a response. <laughs> Epcot. You know, Epcot and Disney Hollywood Studios was hard because there's so little in both of those parks at the moment. Epcot, the outpost. Uh, it's just sort of a waste. I mean, I'll put something in there that's meaningful and interesting or whatever. I mean, we have Animal Kingdom you know, so and then I didn't wasn't sure if there was anything left of interventions, but if there is, close the rest of it. Down. Yeah, there <laughs> so. is. I the only reason I didn't put that in there is I'm pretty sure it's going anyways. So yeah, well, my my runner up would be ImageWorks because it's a shell of what it had been. Yeah, one time. Yeah. So um, for that one, Disney Hollywood Studios, uh, Star Wars Launch Bay. Um, I know that you know, you know, it's it's sort of the overflow for Galaxy's Edge kind of thing. They're gonna, they still want a Star Wars presence over on that side of the park, but it doesn't fit into the animation courtyard. You know, I'd rather they had something animation based in there if they're going to keep the animation courtyard. I think it'll return there after Galaxy's Edge opens. Yeah, and then um, and then for the first time in forever, a Frozen sing along celebration. You know, have you I, although done it, I know, though? yeah, I have. It's cute. It's okay. fine. So um, because I I, I I almost put down that Beauty and the Beast one, but I think I read somewhere it is going. It so, better. But um, but I know Frozen Two Electric Boogaloo's coming out, and uh, so I figure. First time in forever is going to get a shot in the arm. So mm-hmm. I agree. Um, probably. Animal Kingdom, Primeval Whirl, and Triceratops Spin, and you can take Chester and Hester's Dinorama with them. Just get rid of that whole section of the yep. park. Yeah. So, anyway. So, that's, that's mine. Okay. So, my turn to ask you a question now. Um... Which one? I'm trying to. Hmm. Sorry, I'm just looking for one that's trying to be a little bit off topic from what we've already talked about. I'm going to go mm-hmm. with this one. Uh, why aren't there any benches around the hub in front of the castle at Walt Disney World? No place to sit and rest and enjoy the beauty of the castle. Once they refurbished the area, they took out all the benches. You have to sit on a six-inch space of cement or grass. Not easy for older people. That came from Janet. Okay. I I don't have an answer for this one. You might. That's this is your kingdom. I okay. See, I was I was going to see if you wanted to throw your input in it. I it's. I just figure because they have that stage there and. They want as much viewing capacity nope. for the fireworks. That would be my guess. Yeah, that's that is exactly. It's need to make more room for standing bodies as much as possible, and mm-hmm. that's why I I love Magic Kingdom, but 
I have a love-hate relationship with it that they have taken away all greenery for the most part and just made it a complete concrete jungle in every sense. Like they, At most, they want you to sit on the grassy areas that they installed, but that's only assuming that they're not closing it off for a special event or getting ready for fast passes for nighttime stuff. It's it, It's just... It's not a comforting place where you can actually go to relax and i really dislike that aspect of it so um i i would really love for that to change if i walked in magic kingdom one day and saw trees randomly in the hub area i would probably just cry but (laughs) i know that's never gonna happen yeah. And it's too bad because remember when Walt designed Disneyland, he wanted benches there because so that grand families could go to the park together, but grandparents could take a rest and let the youngsters run ahead and then come yep. back and join him and all that. And that's less and less of that. Well, you were well, you were Disneyland. You know that Project Stardust. It, it seems to me that one. You know, and they're they're making planters smaller and opening up the walkways more to accommodate Galaxy's Edge. But are, are are there less benches also, did you notice, as a result of that? I didn't necessarily notice it. Like, I I guess I, I kind of did in some places, but uh, then I feel like there is a balance in others. Like, it was my first time getting to see the redone Tropical Hideaway and place that in there and they they just knocked that out of the park i know you you haven't mm-hmm. seen it yet right not yet yeah it's just, in May. yeah it is fantastic i i think you're gonna lose your mind over the area it's just it's wide and spread out but it still feels comfortable and feels inclusive and my favorite aspect of it of it all is that they put three tables um just sitting there kind of on top of the the tiki room show building so you have an elevated view right by the exit of the tiki room where you can just sit and take in everyone passing by so kind of just to the side of tropical hideaway but Mm -hmm. still still right in that element and you can hear the show going on inside when it's pretty quiet and at night with the torches lit up and stuff it's just it's wonderful so while they might have taken away seating areas and making everything a little bit uh more wide and accessible i think they've managed to make up for it in other areas so you don't notice as much Mm -hmm. yeah and that's just my 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 only thing is i didn't i didn't need to know what happened to rosita yeah, like you know, uh, like I didn't need to know what the Kessel Run was <laughs> for Solo I, the film. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I, I was excited about Rosita, uh, mm-hmm. seeing pictures and videos of her leading up to it, and then getting there and seeing her, and I got excited right away. And then I realized that the further away you are, the less you get to hear Rosita talk every mm-hmm. little while, and that seemed to be a little bit more pleasant. But oh, that was okay. just my take. <laughs> Okay, sounds good. All right, now for me, um, uh, I, I, this is what I'm just going to answer really quickly. I don't know if there's much of a discussion. Um, Lee Ace asked, what non-Disney created intellectual 
properties did Walt create for Disneyland, not including Carousel of Progress, It's a Small World, A Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln, since they were created by Disney for the New York World's Fair. Okay, here you go. Hope you can write fast. Disneyland Railroad, Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room, Pirates of the Caribbean, The Haunted Mansion, Mark Twain Riverboat, Sailing Ship Columbia, The Monorail, Circle Rama or Circle Vision 360, The Rocket to the Moon, which became Mission to Mars, The Astrojets, which gotten renamed a couple of times the submarine voyage not the current version with nemo the flying saucers the people mover adventure through inner space utopia and the country bear jamboree the film came later as did the haunted mansion and the pirates of the caribbean films so um, yes anyway so there you go lee so everything so you love a lot yes all the all the most popular stuff <laughs> anyway so you see bob chapek you can have popular attractions <laughs> that are not based on an intellectual property. Agree. Okay. But since you answered that one, do you want to ask me another one, or I got one for you? Um, I either way. I mean, the the one following it sort of relates to this one. Um, if you wanted me to ask you from Nick. What do you think of the over-reliance of IP in the parks instead of original Imagineering? Should we accept it as part of the time or insist on the keep-moving-forward mentality that Walt would have wanted? Although, keep in mind that Walt, all of Fantasyland in Walt's time was based on intellectual properties. I mean, Sleeping Beauty Castle, the film hadn't come out yet. Walt named it Sleeping Beauty Castle to promote the film. So, um, so you know, Walt promoted intellectual properties. So yeah. anyway, no, I I think I, I I don't hate the use of intellectual properties. I understand it. Um, I understand that it's so much easier to put in a tested property and because you think you're going to get instant success with it. I've also Mm -hmm. seen it happen where a billion dollar movie franchise can end up being a, a flop when it's not adequately done over at universal specifically with fast and furious. Uh, But Disney doesn't seem to have that problem as much. Uh, I think they have a better grip on their properties and how to bring them bring them to life a little bit better but i i don't necessarily mind it but until there is a new creative force that's given a chance to to create something unique i also don't know if i i necessarily always trust them to to bring a new story to life i know there's storytellers out there who can probably do it but it is it is there's a nervous side saying like that's we could lose everything in the future if they went all out on something that was unique and individual like pirates of the caribbean and it just didn't hit and i i'm right there when when everyone roasted bob Iger over his comments about expedition everest that is a a non-intellectual property that is beloved by many including myself but it's also it's also based in indefinite fact um no one's gonna sit here and say the country bear jamboree is based in fact but a lot of great disney attractions are so if they found a factual story that hadn't 
been necessarily told through a movie yet and they felt it was strong enough i i would hope that they would go for it but um if they don't have people under them who are visionaries that aren't willing to go out and create these new stories then i would rather them just stick to the intellectual properties um it's so many people i know like like me i grew up watching disney movies and thinking about which one of them could which one of which ones could be made into attractions and i think that's what a lot of people do and they conceptualize how attractions can be made out of their favorite disney movies so it's definitely even in the mindset of of younger generations so it's it's a tough call but um what what are your thoughts i i am concerned that by and and that's bob Chapek, you know, it's if it's not based on a princess or a Marvel character or something, it's not going to get it's not going to get greenlit. Um, but I am concerned that it is sort of lazy and that it is stymieing creative thought, creativity. Because I I know in the past from people I know who've worked in Imagineering that there have been some great ideas put out on the table for attractions but because they were not based on an intellectual property um, they they didn't get anywhere and I hate to see that and you know and then there's there is like you were saying Craig there, there's always the risk to even of an intellectual property of not standing the test of time and especially when we're making these these huge lands like a car's land or galaxy's edge or something what what if those fade with time they have a whole land now you know this whole immersive experience and you know at some point are we going to get back to having these like disneyland was where you have these standalone you know lightly themed you know attractions you know, where you had the Haunted Mansion, you had Pirates. Well, those are, you know, in that, the land was sort of lightly themed, New Orleans Square, or, you know, you have Big Thunder Mountain and all that in a lightly themed area of Frontierland. Are we going to get back to those? Or is everything have to be super duper immersive? And I'm just worried that, you know, so they run the risk of that as well, that an intellectual property could just not you know, after a while, just fade. You know, there's criticism. A lot of Star Wars fans don't like what Disney's doing with Star Wars. No, I know. And so what if they continue down whatever path they're going that Star Wars fans don't like for it? What does that bode for um, Galaxy's Edge in 10 or 20 years? Yeah. I'll be yeah. I'll be honest. I think a, a big step forward in helping that would be, you know, with would be kind of to try to maybe if they found the right area to do it but try to put in thunder mesa if they could and revive that entire concept uh if they were if they wanted proof that they can make they they could make something non-intellectual property and and still be a success i would say find a way to do it right and make a version of that somewhere and Mm -hmm. go all out and I think it would be a wild success. And then that kind of reinvigorates and realizes, okay, this can be something. This can Mm -hmm. be something more. And we can go through 
with it and start making things non-intellectual property again as long as the idea is is solid mm-hmm. yeah i agree okay i think it's your turn now it so. is my turn and i get to scroll back down to where i was at and this one is from sorry just lost it again This one is from Christian, and it's also another one that's kind of going off in that way, too. But Christian said, Walt Disney was obviously obviously was a legacy through all his accomplishments. Do you think the parks are honoring his legacy and keeping it going? Or do you think Disney is sidetracking and steering more towards profit? Hmm. I think the answer is yes. <laughs> um, yeah. I... I mean, they're definitely steering more towards profits. I mean, absolutely. I mean, they're, they're beholden the shareholders. Um, the parks, are, well, you listen into the shareholders call, but it sounds like it's the parks that are really, they're really bringing, they're, they're really bolstering the finances of the company because it's my understanding that the studio underperformed consumer products, underperformed um so if I, if i if i recall what i've heard about the call uh, um i th- maybe they i think the honor is legacy in terms of like technology and the i mean cuz it sounds like s- some of the new attractions that they're building not just at our north american parks but parks the, the international parks is amazing they are doing cutting edge technology with the audio animatronic figures and other um other special effects that are um you know that that would that Walt would love because he always wanted to move forward in, in new technology and in telling the story in different ways. And it sounds like they're still doing a good job with storytelling for the most part. Um, in all of these new attractions. When I see things like Cars Land or Animal Kingdom or um, Galaxy's Edge from everything we've seen, the storytelling through architecture and design and immersiveness and all that that Walt liked, it looks like that is there. So I think they're honoring it in that way. I'm hoping... I, I would still like that they somehow had more of a presence of Walt in the parks. It galls me that at Disneyland, there's almost nothing about Walt there. And I would like to see a little, I would like to see more of that. Um, Oh, and it bugs me when it doesn't say um, Walt Disney pictures on the, when the movie comes up, it just says Disney. That really bothers me <laughs> so um so then there are some ways i feel they're not honoring his legacy and you know it's all fine and good to have a statue in the hub but you know his name still has to be out there you still have to continue to tell his story you know yeah. so um, I'm, I'm right there with you yeah, i don't i don't think they're necessarily doing a a good job of honest honoring his legacy i don't I don't know if there's anyone doing a bad job at the same time too. So it everything does have to be be run for profits. I I it's 
you know, it, it could anyone back in the 50s and 60s, 40s, like, could they have foreseen all of Disney turning to what it has on the park side? I mean, clearly, like, one of the things I rip apart Disney for the most part now is merchandising, merchandising, merchandising. But we also know how important that was to Walt. So mm-hmm. that's... Absolutely. Yeah, so that's even, like... For me, it's annoyance, but then I have to step back and say, "Well, yeah, but it's look at look at what happened with all the Mickey Mouse products and stuff out there." So uh, it's uh, you know, I just hope that even if the company as a whole isn't honoring his legacy well, I hope that there's always at least that that one cast member out there that's keeping his legacy alive and I, th- I think there's many and that's why something like the the walt disney legacy awards are out there in order to to honor cast members who who are following in his footsteps in a way and in terms of how how they are a cast member so i, I think there's there's some silver linings to it all mm-hmm. okay yeah i agree with you okay. Okay, so I'm going to answer one really quick, and then I'll answer a question you're going to enjoy a lot more than I. I'll ask you a question, Craig, you're going to enjoy a lot more than I. It better not be Um, the last question that I want to end this with. I don't know. (laughs) I have no idea. Is it it something to do with the the great movie ride? Yes, I thought that would be a fun one to end on. Okay, then I will not ask. I'll find something else. But let me um, answer Samantha's question. I live in Missouri and have heard rumors and ramblings about creating another park in or near Marceline. I think it would be a bad idea. But do you think it would be something that I guess they should do? If they did make one, should they keep it themed to the period in which Walt lived there? Well, Samantha, there was talk way back in the 60s, early 60s, about building something there uh, at Walt's boyhood home, the the farm. And Walt was concerned that city kids really wouldn't, they, they weren't, they were so far removed from like where our food came from, uh, you know, that, that uh, many children had never seen a cow had never planted anything that they didn't know like where our food came from where our crops came from where our fruits and vegetables came from Walt was concerned about that and so he wanted to basically build like basically sort of a version of Williamsburg where it would be a living working farm that would be almost like a but but almost like a but but a historic farm where families and children could come and basically experience it. And there would be a blacksmith shop. There would be all kinds of things going on there um, where people could learn what it was like to live on a farm and experience animals and crops and planting things. You know, it would be a hands-on interactive experience. The numbers were crunched. There was no way this was going to make money. Absolutely. There was, there's nothing that, 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 you know, Buzz Price was brought in to try to figure this out. Uh, uh, I mean, Roy, everybody just accepted that Walt wanted to do this and it was not going to make money and it was fine. And they were moving forward with it. And they were working with folks in Marceline, the, with the family that now owns Walt's farm and um, 
and and run the Walt Disney um, Hometown Museum there in Marceline. And then Walt passed away. And Roy was focused on Walt Disney World. And that, if you've listened to our earlier episodes on Connecting with Walt, you know what an endeavor that was and how much money went into that. And so it just made no sense for Marce- the, 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 the farm project at Marceline to continue on. So the um, company, you know, and Roy regretted it because he saw there'd be some value in it, but they were, the, the company was putting everything they had into Walt Disney World. And so um, they did sell the land at a very reasonable price to the family that um, Roy had been working with. And, um, and so that was sort of the end of the park in Marceline. So, anyway, okay. Let me let me find another one here for you, since you have that one. Um, let's see. Do 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 do. Oh well, here's one, Craig. Um, oh, okay. Here's a great one. This is from Jay. It's sort of a long question, but this is hypothetical. Bob Chapik comes to you and expresses a desire to increase Walt's presence in the park. This sort of so this leverages off of what we were talking about previously. He suggests one of the following: one, incorporating a Walt face character into the parks, either as a meet and greet opportunity or to serve as sort of a grand marshal for various events. And he lists a few like an opening ceremony, parade, master of ceremonies, stuff like that. Two, replacing Mark Twain in the American Adventure with a Walt audio animatronic. Three, updating the Carousel of Progress with an audio animatronic Walt serving as the host and introducing each scene or for some, something else entirely. What are your feelings on each suggestion? Do you congratulate Mr. Chapik for attempting to honor Walt or to punch him in the mouth for trying to desecrate his memory? So mm. what do you think, Craig? Uh, I will, I mean, since you said what are your feelings on each suggestion, I'll go through each one. Uh, absolutely not to the first one. No, no face character at all. That just sounds mm-hmm. terrible. I think you'll that agree with creepy. that. That sounds creepy. Yeah, just, no, stay away from that entirely. Uh, replacing Mark Twain in the American Adventure with a Walt audio animatronic. Not completely out of the realm, but I, I think something, something about Mark Twain and Ben Franklin together works well. Yeah, so, they, they, they have a good... They have a good chemistry. Yeah. If if you were going to say add a third <laughs> kind of host to that, and mm-hmm. you wanted to make Walt, so you kind of have these these uh, an important person from the 1700s, the 1800s, and then the 1900s, I think that might work. Um, mm-hmm. So that might fall into the something else entirely category of that. But then updating Carousel of Progress with an audio animatronic Walt serving as the host and introducing each scene. Not each scene, but the beginning and end, potentially. Um, You know, if it was done well enough, I feel like it might fit in a little bit better back in American Adventure than Carousel of Progress. But Carousel of Progress being such an important thing to him uh, could, could be interesting in a way. So I would, you know, it's... 
it's not something I would ever think about doing or suggesting to do, but I could see where it could work. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm uncomfortable with all of these. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I, only because I, I know, you know, and I'm not saying I go out to dinner with the Disney family or the Disney Miller family or you hang out with them, but I'm... I have a friendly relationship with some of the family members. I mean, they know, they recognize me and know my name, and we chat. Let's just put it that way. And um, they would be very uncomfortable with all of these. Uh, you know, I mean, they have a partner statue in their um, warehouse, and mm-hmm. that is not on display at the Walt Disney Family Museum. Um, they do have Blaine Gibson's bust, which... There's a photo of me from Mouse Adventure posing with it and connecting with Walt's shirt that I think I posted on social media last week. But um, anyway, but so I've been uncomfortable with these. Now, an interesting concept was, you know, the, one of the original ideas for American Adventure was there were going to be three hosts and Will Rogers was going to be the third one until they did a little survey and realized most people in the late 20th century didn't remember who Will Rogers was. So he was relegated to spinning his rope, uh, yeah. you know, and talking in his lasso and talking into a microphone as part of his, um, th- that was part of his um, act that he did. But he was considered one of the, the great humorists at the time. If they wanted to rework it and make it three hosts, maybe, but I think it would have to be another generation or two. Before they did that, oh, I think that yeah. the Disney family would. Um, I don't think there could be anybody, anybody in the immediate Disney family still around. Yeah, no, that's I, I, like I, that. I'm right there with you on that. It's yeah. got to be a couple generations gone. So, you know, maybe maybe when I'm in my my fifties or sixties or seventies, mm-hmm. if they did something, I wouldn't be surprised but that's um yeah that's that that's further on when when it gets to the point where you start to get to where there's family members saying yeah it's really a person that i never met and but i know how important they are so i don't feel like it's desecration of his character anymore at that point so yeah i i do i like so much how the walt disney family museum does it where they use actual footage and recordings of walt and he tells his own story now i wish they would have something like that in each of the parks where because there's enough where he could talk about every single park there is uh, 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 you know because animal kingdom yeah. he yeah loved nature you know he did his true life adventure series you could have something in there about that i mean you could certainly epcot and disneyland and magic kingdom there'd be no problem you know with those disney hollywood studios with all of the many things he talked about the films and television and all that certainly they could put something together there um one they already do have something but um they could certainly you know, capitalize on it a lot more. So I would, I'd rather see something like that, where more what the Walt Disney Family Museum does, where it's it's footage of Walt telling it in his own words, and they have inner and there's interactiveness involved with it as well. So yeah. I'd be more comfortable with that. Okay. Okay, my turn. 
I'll probably probably do just a couple more here. Now they're getting back to the fun ones, not so intense, but um, I I think this one is probably in uh, relation to to roller coasters specifically. But Julianne asks, do you have a favorite place to sit? on in the e-ticket attractions. Disney says all seats are good seats, but is there a particular reason you might have a preference for any? Hmm. Um, yeah, I saw this and I thought I didn't list every single, I mean, I, I was trying yeah. to think, are there, are there certain attractions where I want to sit in a certain place? Yes. Um, so I'm just going to mention those. Yeah. Space Mountain, I have to be in the front because I need to feel the wind <laughs> the breeze on my face, or I will get nauseous. Um, in Big Thunder Ranch, I, I'm sorry, Big uh, Big Thunder Railroad, I prefer to be more in the middle or the front. Although I think of that terrible crash in um, Disneyland every time I sit in the front. Not the back, because the whipping action makes me a little nauseous. And I somehow always get in the back and I have to ask to be moved towards the front more Matterhorn it makes no difference all seats are awful because they're uncomfortable but Matterhorn's my favorite roller coaster <laughs> attraction um, for Soren, that middle section you know so that you're, you're and, 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 and as high up as possible I can never remember is it the first section or third row that goes up the highest I think it's the first right but yeah. always the middle section same thing with um Oh, Pandora, Flight of Passage. I always want to be in the middle. I forget, though, are you going up the stairs, down, over the side? But is it B, the B Theater? I don't know. Yeah. But um, oh, I'm trying to think, is there anywhere else I'm really particular on the e-tickets? Um, everything else, I'm, you know, if I get to sit in the front row, it's great. Like in Pirates, although you get wet. Um, and it's a small world because they have a lot of room there. That's great. Uh, otherwise, I'm not. I'm not real particular, yeah. except for those checks. What about you, Craig? Um, my easy answer all around is, I would say pretty much towards the middle, and that's always your safest bet if it's a roller coaster. Um, like whether it's Slinky Dog Dash, Expedition Everest, Big Thunder Mountain, all of those ones that have long trains, you're going to get the most. You're going to get the most complete ride in the middle. That's um, true. It's yeah. that's just based on physics. Uh, you know, there are there is an excitement to being in either the front or back. But uh, for me, like uh, I'm the opposite. You and you on Thunder. Like I, I'll sit anywhere on Thunder. I'm not always that picky person. Only usually when we're like actually filming and stuff, and I need to. But I, overall, I would prefer to be in the back on Thunder and. Um, and that used to be my go-to on Expedition Everest, but that was more or less because I was usually there with only my family, so four of us, and we wanted the picture where no one else was in it, since all the other cars have six six total seats and only the back had four. So that used to be my favorite for that reason. Um, but yeah, no, it's the middle is kind of designed as the all-around encompassing seat. So I think in most cases it's fine i think about the only one where i'm like really insistent about being on the in the front seat if possible is uh is on uh in credit coaster 
I love being in the front on that attraction for that launch. So I don't get as much out of it on like rock and roller coaster because you can't see anything. But on Incredicoaster, there, there's something exciting about it. as soon as it takes off and that wind's just nailing you in the face. I, I love being in the front on that. But mm-hmm. everything else, you know, it's I'm not particular. It is it is all designed very well. The the one thing I will throw in, not e ticket related, but in theaters, I I am a strong proponent. I hate sitting on the ends just as much as anyone else does. But you know what? Sometimes you get to notice some things about a show that you've never seen before. So don't don't insist on always that person being sitting in the middle back or the middle middle or the middle front. Every time you know you can get differences. I just I, I just sat very recently in like the second row for Impressions de France, which is something I always loved sitting in the back for to really take in the scope of it. Mm-hmm. But then after sitting in the second row, I'm like it's. I don't get the scope because I'm looking left and right the entire time, but right. the film's ha- is surrounding me, and it, it feels even more like I'm there. So uh, it's it's fun to bounce around, change your perspective. That's yeah, yeah. The beautiful thing about visiting Disney so often, like most people do, is you get to experience things a different way because of it. Mm-hmm. I agree. Okay. All righty. Well, I have one for you. Um, this mm-hmm. is some Frankie. There are so many great Disney movies that don't have rides themed after them. If you could choose any movie themed to a ride after what movie would it be? Hmm. Gosh. Um. Oh. That's a, it's one that we think about all the time. Mm-hmm. And we, we've talked about it kind of briefly before but you know obviously movies come and go and see new ones and don't think about old ones I'm I would say hmm. I'm going to let you answer first I really have to think about that one a little harder Okay, I have a couple. One is Mary Poppins. Uh, you know, uh, Tony Baxter, the Imagineer Disney legend Tony Baxter, had a design for Mary Poppins. And we've talked about that on a previous show when we were doing the Magic Kingdom series. On So you want to listen to that because I talk about what Fantasyland was originally designed to be because it was going to have different attractions, in it, they it wasn't just different versions of the Disneyland attractions. And there was a Mary Poppins attraction in there, so I would love to have that built. And I know there's the on again, off again rumors about a Mary Poppins carousel or something being built over at the UK Pavilion at Epcot. But I would really love the Tony Baxter Mary Poppins built. I have another one, uh, unless you you've thought of something, Craig. I do have a second. One. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, please. Um, I would like a permanent Nightmare Before Christmas audio animatronic attraction so that it is they don't take over our Haunted Mansion for Halloween, making it Christmas-themed. I'd like to have the Haunted Mansion at Halloween, and I think Nightmare Before Christmas is popular enough that it could be its own year-round attraction. 
those are those are my two. Yeah, no, I, I would totally agree with you on that one. So uh, mm-hmm. I think the one for me, it's going to be kind of out of left field, maybe unexpected. I would like to be see something done with Bambi. Um, oh, interesting. I know that's not. I, I could be dark ride, could be a boat ride, kind of like down a river through through the forest, mm-hmm. where where they're protected from man, but I, something like that. I feel like Bambi's just underappreciated and we we've talked about that before that while we both love the the artwork in the movie and the design and story it's just it's it's not something that anyone ever jumps to right away and and really pays any attention to so i'd like to see something like that or i would like uh, on the other spectrum to really uh really reinvigorate something with davy crockett again um yeah Bring back the Mike Finn keelboats. Yeah. I've been in a big <laughs> Western kick lately. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's while Davy Crockett isn't necessarily Western in a way, he's more frontiersman, it's it's still a subject that I feel like I, I feel like they could do something with. I feel like there's it could be a fad that someone could latch back on, especially knowing that, you know, with events like Dapper Days and such, that people people do crave to be in the in the fifties mindset. So why not take one of the biggest pop culture icons of the nineteen fifties and start reinvigorating it too in that way? But mm-hmm. that's just my thoughts on it. So. Okay. Okay. Um, we uh, yeah, I'd say. We are pretty much on our last question here. Okay, I will let you ask so, that one. I will ask it. And this gem comes from Britain, hmm. who uh, clearly just this is for you. knew the right <laughs> questions to ask. It's, I think it's for both of us, because we are both aficionados in this sense of, of movies. But if you could do a Muppets version of The Great Movie Ride, which movies would you pick as source material and why? Okay, you would absolutely. I would absolutely have to have the the restaurant scene from when Harry met Sally, but it'd be Kermit and Miss Piggy. Oh. <laughs> See, that's that's one I would never think of. Uh, that's that would be hilarious. I, I don't yeah. know how it would play on a slow moving ride. Yeah, and, and and then at the other table, Fonzie and Gonzo, they would be the ones saying, "I'll have what she's having." Oh wait, did you just say Fonzie? <laughs> I mean, I mean, Fozzie, Fozzie. Rhino did that once. Called him Fonzie Bear, and we still yeah. still pick on him every now and then to this day for it. Anyway. Um, I, or that might have actually even been Oliver. It was Oliver who had oh, okay. zero, you know, knowledge really of Happy Days or anything American like that. Called him Fonzie Bear. Um, I I think the easy one for me right away, I was a child of the late 80s and early 90s, so I grew up watching Muppet Babies, and so even though one of these was was already present on, uh, in the great movie ride, I would think throwing the Muppets in, in Indiana Jones, um, particularly Raiders or Star mm-hmm. Wars. Those are two just shoo-ins, because those are the episodes of Muppet Babies that I remember the most. And if it worked out well for those, then I don't understand why it wouldn't for for this. If I could take away, if I had to take away the indie one to not replicate the great movie ride, I would maybe um, 
I would maybe choose uh, Treasure of the Sierra Madra, the um, mm. Humphrey Bogart movie. I just see Pepe the Prawn saying badges. We don't need no stinking badges. Oh, um, that's a good and, one. <laughs> it, don't ask why. That's in my head. Um, but a random thing like that, uh, I, I it's it's really a lot what? of the movies that were featured in Great Movie Ride. Once you get to like the the classic days, the good days with like Alien, that's something I would love to see. I would love to see mm-hmm. Star Trek represented with all oh, of them. Oh, that would be fine. But see, they but they sort of did that. See, my problem is, like, they did a Muppets Wizard of Oz. Yes, they, they did. They, they've, they parodied, I don't know if it was on the tele, one of the television shows, they parodied a Casablanca. Yes. They, they parodied, you know, Pigs in Space was sort of a parody of Star Trek, was Swine Trek or something. I would, um, I would love to see The Godfather. Oh, that would be that. a very yeah. good one. Make an offer he can't refuse. Yeah. yeah. Um. So the problem is they took a lot. Like they did a Treasure Island one. They did. So I'm trying to think. Um. I'm trying to think. Like, like you know what would have to be? It would have to be different. Like um. Themes. Like okay, would would you have a film noir? What would be a good film noir? Yeah. Kind of one that that the Muppets could do, and oh. then what would be like a. What would be a comedy one? What would be a fantasy one? What would be you know? You'd have to have every genre. Yeah, oh, for like um, for to represent horror, you know, it's I feel like classic monsters. Even though that's very universal, mm-hmm. um, there's there's one picture I love every time it comes around to Halloween that shows, um, you know, Miss Piggy as the the bride of Frankenstein. And, oh yeah, and that and like so, I feel like that could fit in. But at the same time, too, uh, I would love to see something with Psycho in that way too. Maybe <laughs> even with Fozzie being Norman Bates because Fozzie's mother is a character. So it's you know, it's at least it has that sense of she once existed. Maybe mm-hmm. not now because maybe now she's been. Well, I don't want to ruin spoiler. No spoilers for Psycho if you haven't seen it before. But mm-hmm. um, it's Fozzie also. I could see that he's got that sick, mm-hmm. twisted sense of of humor. I would, I would love to see. Like, even though I don't think the movie holds up as well now in the science fiction front, it was very important when it came out in the late '90s. But like the Matrix with with the Muppets just seems like it would be bizarre. But if we were going more classic, I would, I would love to see 2001, a space odyssey represented. Which in a scene, way. which scene oh. would the Muppets do? Cause there's not a lot of characters in there. Oh no. Yeah. It would just have to, I mean, obviously Gonzo would have to, I, I would maybe, I would maybe try to make Gonzo the space baby in a way, <laughs> a big giant space baby that you're just kind of, uh, Riding by at the end, or, um, or maybe play off ET and make him ET in that sense. I, mean, I know that's a little on the nose, but wasn't ET a Muppet? <laughs> no, but kind of at the same time. Um, and I, for an adventure like maybe Lord of the Rings, but with all of the Muppets portraying different yeah. characters in that sense so oh. see and I, I could see okay and you have to have a disney one in there so you know mary poppins with um bert you know kermit 
you know, Miss Piggy, of course, Mary Poppins. And you could have the other assorted characters. Chimney sweeps could be, you know, Gonzo and Fozzie and whomever else. Oh, the the pearly band could be the the, the electric mayhem. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, so... um, No, there's... There are... um, there's some some potentials in there, like a, a Sunset Boulevard. With that would be Ms. a Piggy. very good one. Yeah. Oh yes, it's Nora Desmond. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that would be good. And you could have um, and you could have Kermit floating face down in the swimming pool. <laughs> who would be Who would be Max? <laughs> That'd be Fozzie because he's yeah. bald. <laughs> yeah, no, it, but that would work so perfectly. It's like, and every now and then I want to go with something dirty, like uh, having Goodfellas represented mm-hmm. in there with the Muppets just cursing away, and it's just who would be Joe Pesci in that? It's so many questions, but it's I know hey, there's too many movies oh, on this. You, you could have the birds with Tippy Hedren running some of the Muppets, and then all the all of all of Gonzo's chickens flying oh, after them. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Oh no! There's there's so so many potential choices, and you know, unfortunately, we're getting Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. So yeah, oh well, it's it's fine. And I I mean I know that was that was one of the things that potentially was going to happen at one point in time was Muppets Muppets in the movies and all of that. But it, we didn't get it, but we got something better. We got great moments in history. Featuring the Muppets, so that could move over to nope. then this movie ride, nope. <laughs> and nope. there could be some sort of people. What, what's a great? Could be seventeen seventy six. That's exactly what I was going to say. They could all be singing. <laughs> I, that, I would be okay with that, but I feel they better deserve to be at their home in Liberty Square, where they belong. <laughs> oh no, maybe inside Liberty Tree Tavern is served up on a platter. Nah, I'm agree to disagree. <laughs> Well, that was fun. So uh, join yeah. us next week when we answer all the other questions uh, in all the other categories. Well, now it is time for This Week in Disney History. And this is the week of April 7th. So it's funny. I thought we were out of the 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 whole awards season for some reason there was an academy awards this week many many years wow. ago but wow. i tried to stay away from this cuz i'm i'm just tired of them but thank you there's a few but anyway the, there might be one is i don't know okay anyway um, anyway for april 7th Walt Disney's final Silly Symphony is released on April 7th, 1939. What is the title of this cartoon short? I believe that is The Ugly Duckling. You are correct. And this is a color remake of the 1931 Walt Disney Silly Symphony, and it will win an Academy Award for Best Cartoon. What's cool to Walt Disney Family Museum is they show each one side by side yeah, so that you can see the difference. Yeah, I love this short. The, I, it's yeah, one too. of my favorites. So I, I love yeah. the story in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's so beautiful, and you see the transition in just those eight years yeah. that the artists, the animators, artists made in 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 drawing and and artistry and storytelling and all that. I mean, they really did a great job. Oh yeah, for sure. So, 
Okay, April 8th, the 107th White House Easter Egg Roll, one of the oldest and most unique traditions in U.S. presidential history, takes place the day after Easter Sunday on April 8th, 1985. This year's event includes the Walt Disney Company uh, and one of its most outstanding artists and imagineers. Which artist and imagineer who would be named a Disney legend in 1996 participated in this event? I I don't know. Okay. Well, 50 of America's best artists, including Bill Justice, had been asked by U.S. President Ronald Reagan to paint Easter eggs. Now, Justice had also been asked to design the cover for the event's program and to illustrate four pages of Disney line art for children to color. And he attended the Easter egg roll along with Mickey Mouse himself. Yeah, I had never heard that. So, yeah, learn yeah, something cool. new today. Yeah, I have to go on YouTube and see if that's out there somewhere. Um, Okay, April 9th, speaking of Mickey, in what Washington, D.C. event did Mickey Mouse serve as the Grand Marshal on April 9th, 2005? Hmm, Grand Marshal. I think of the season. Mm -hmm. Well, I think I have an idea, but I'm not sure... I know this time of year is where when they do everything with cherry blossoms, but I don't, I don't know if it's like they have an opening ceremony or something. Oh, well, a grand marshal would be a parade. Mm-hmm. So I maybe a parade for that. You're right. The National Cherry Blossom Festival Parade. Uh, yes, Mickey served as the grand marshal. Yeah. No, I, I, no, I wish I could see the cherry blossoms there one year. Yeah, yeah, I never have. So. One day. Oh, yeah. April 10th, Walt Disney delivered the first Oswald the Lucky Rabbit cartoon to distributor Charles Mintz in New York on April 10th, 1927. What was the title of this first Oswald cartoon short? Uh, are you testing me to see if I remember from when we talked about Oswald? Mm-hmm. Um, I can give you a hint. It's not Trolley Trouble. <laughs> I I can't pull this one out. Mm-hmm. No. Poor Papa. Yeah. And, no. and, and Mintz didn't like it because this is sort of a chubby, middle-aged um, Oswald. Yeah. So um, he, would, he would change as time went on. My brain's not working that well enough tonight. <laughs> well, I think you did well on the others. Um, April 11th, the Disneyland Resort debuted two new attractions on April 11th, 2003. What are the names of these attractions? And there's a hint. One is in Disneyland and the other in Disney's California Adventure. Okay. I think just because we talk about it, really often i think i think the one might be poo yes it is <laughs> a pile of poo the other um uh, maybe 
Maybe it's it's tough to be a bug. No, it's actually Playhouse Disney live on stage. I forgot that was there. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people did. But um, I actually saw this with my granddaughter, and she's really little. It was delightful when it was still the puppets and all that. It was yeah. a lot of fun. So, okay, April 12th. An 18-year-old U.S. soldier is wounded in the knee on April 12th, 1945, while serving in Europe during World War II. Just weeks earlier, he had led half a squad of men into Dhaka concentration camp, the first Allied troops to enter the camps after it was abandoned by fleeing German military only hours earlier. The injury to his knee will force this young man to walk with a cane for the rest of his life. He would later work for the Walt Disney Studio. What is the name of this war hero and Disney legend? I know this one for sure. That is Robert Sherman. That is correct, and I just felt he is worth mentioning for this. Absolutely. Um, In in 1951, Robert Sherman, along with his younger brother Richard, will begin writing songs together. Known as the Sherman Brothers, they will go on, of course, to make Disney history. Now, for his service to our country, Robert Sherman received two battle stars, a combat infantry badge, an American campaign medal, a World War II victory medal, a European-African Middle Eastern Campaign Medal, and a Good Conduct Medal. So pretty remarkable. Yep. And uh, if you ever want to learn more about the Sherman Brothers, uh, they also have the documentary about their life. Yes. The Boys. Mm -hmm. It's a fantastic documentary. Yep. So um, very, very sad, though. Uh, yes, yes. It's it's not the feel good one. Watch if you want no. the feel good one. Watch the the Disney Family Museum one that's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. April thirteenth, New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg names which Disney owned characters as the official family ambassadors for the Big Apple during a press conference in Manhattan on April thirteenth, twenty twelve. I this is right up your alley. <laughs> I I think I have a guess for it and I'm not familiar with the event but one of the lesser known not lesser known I guess the lesser watched movies because technically it's Disney doesn't own distribution rights to it. Um I believe Sony still has the rights to it but the Muppets take Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Is is very much a a a movie that features the Muppets, so that that would kind of make sense. So I would go with something like that, or Oliver and Company. But since you said it's right up my alley, I'm going to say it's probably Muppets. That's right. Yeah, the Muppets will promote the five boroughs domestically and abroad in an effort to boost tourism in New York City. The Family Ambassador Program, which was created in 2009, highlights family-friendly things to do around the city, including museums, restaurants, parks, and beaches. Now, the Muppets' connection to New York City can be traced back to the 1960s when creator Jim Henson brought Sesame Street to life in Manhattan. There you go, Craig. Pretty good. Yeah, not too bad. I'll give myself a pat on the back. 
Yeah, there there were some obscure things in there this week. Yeah, no, it's a, a fun little one. So a couple guesses, but mm-hmm. it's uh, sometimes that works out. So that was fun answering those questions. We're sorry we could not get to all the theme park and resort questions this week, but there was just so much. There are so many that it, this would have gone on for hours. There are a couple I'm saving because they are potentially could be used as full episodes. So um, we'll hang on to those. Yes. But anyway, and join us next week when we'll talk when we'll go through all the other categories and and see and you can see if your question comes up. So, yes. so Craig, until next time, where can our listeners find you on a Diz Unplugged network of shows? As always, you can find me on the Walt Disney World Edition podcast, the mm-hmm. Best and Worst of Walt Disney World, the Universal Edition podcast, Connecting with Walt, the Disneyland Edition of the podcast, the podcast, 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 Facebook, Twitter, <laughs> Instagram, at Teleclaster. Michael, what about you? Well, you can connect with me by sending me messages at michael at wdwinfo.com. On Twitter, I'm at mbowling121. Facebook, I'm Michael Bowling. Instagram, Michael Bowling the Diz. And you can connect with both me and Craig on Twitter at ConnectingWalt. If you would like to listen to more shows on the history of Walt Disney, his studio, his Imagineers, and Disneyland, check out our Disneyland podcast archives for my Disney history episodes at disunplug.com and look for past episodes of Connecting with Walt on iTunes, where you can subscribe to our show and leave some positive reviews and ratings. So thank you for making us a part of your day. And remember, I only hope that we don't lose sight of one thing that was all started by a man, Walt Disney, and his brother Roy. Roy.